Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO Show. My name's Kevin Appleby and today I'm talking to Helen Cowan from the Tall Wall and we're talking about women finance leaders. Welcome to the show, Helen. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Helen, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what what got you to, to where you are today? Oh, that is a long story. I'll try and give you the shortened version. I spent about 15 years with one of the big four doing large-scale M&A transactions for my sins. And it was right at the heart of, of and the height of the deal market when things were really busy and um, the phone never stopped ringing. It was a very, very exciting time. It was also a tiring time. It was, um, it just never stopped. But through all of that, what I really, really loved and was always drawn to was people's behavior, why they did things that they did, how they performed on a stage, be that a boardroom or in a meeting or literally on a stage. Um, The dynamics and the politics of uh, our clients and what was happening in my organization. So I was always drawn to those things. And I was asked within the firm to, if I would like to train on top of my day job to become an internal coach to coach partners and directors. So I said, yes, I'd love to do that. Actually, it sounds right up my street. So I did that on top of my day job for a while. And I absolutely loved coaching. I loved coaching people who had all sorts of dilemmas and challenges and just giving them the mental stillness to figure things out. And that's often all that people need. Um, I then became an internal coach in KPMG full time. I became part of the faculty But I, having been with the firm for 18 years, I really was drawn to supporting women to go as far as they wanted to go in their career. And I started to look outside of the firm. And with the blessing of the firm, I started my own business. And when that took off in ways that I hadn't expected, I made the very difficult decision to hand in my notice and go it alone. And that's how the tall wall came about. The, the tall wall. What what does the tall wall do? Yeah. So we are essentially at the heart of what we do is coaching. We're supporting women to go as far as they want to go in their careers. That is our purpose. And we do that primarily about 75% of our work is one-to-one coaching. The other work that we do is group work um, and training. But a lot of what we're doing is coaching, be it through a transition. So you're going to uh, the next level in your career or you want to get to the next level and something's holding you back. Or quite a lot of what we do is maternity coaching. So women going off on mat leave, how do you exit well and then come back in and hit the ground running? Um, We are primarily about working with women. We also work with men. We have nothing against men. I'm married to one. I have a son. Uh, we love working with men, but the majority of what we do is working with women. Brilliant, brilliant. And I, I suppose we should tell the audience at this point that you're working with us in Grow CFO in the Women's Finance Leader Group, which if you're a lady, you can join Grow CFO 
in the free community, absolutely free community. And you can come along for no cost at all to the monthly Women Finance Leaders group. So, Helen, what what sort of things has that group been covering so far? Yeah. Um, We did a launch and we asked those women, what are the kind of things you would like support with? And a whole range of things came up. Um, Catherine, in your podcast last week, talked about imposter syndrome. That's not just something that's particular to women. It's something that's, that lots of professionals um, face and, and have to deal with. But they also talked about personal brand. How do I get myself out there, talk confidently about who I am and what I do, both internally within my organization and externally? So we've done some work. Uh, on on brand and we've done some work on imposter syndrome we're doing work on influencing uh, and also difficult conversations I'm always curious about what people uh, what puts them off from having the conversations they know they need to have and at this time there is more uncertainty than there's ever been before and those difficult conversations to be had so we've been doing a lot of group work with with this fantastic group of women um, sharing expertise through written guidance um, but but mainly it's being using the wisdom of the group to support each other through the challenges that are common to this this group of women i think is brilliant that take a, a group of people like that and get them together they've all kind of been there and done it to a certain extent so as much as coaching is part of it, peer group support, I, th- I think, is, is quite invaluable. It's, it's incredible because there is so much wisdom in that room. You think of all these women that have come together from different industries. They may be at different stages in, the, in their career, albeit they all have this, this title of CFO. Um, and they have an enormous amount of knowledge and experience between them. And being able to draw on that is so so valuable and i go back to to the podcast last week that catherine did um and she mentioned imposter syndrome one of the key things about overcoming that sense of feeling like an imposter is to normalize what's going on and actually you can see in people's faces when you coach them and they hear other people have a similar dilemma or problem they're like oh my god i'm not the only one that feels like this i'm not the only one that struggles to do xyz and that sense of normalizing my challenges and what I'm facing in my role is really, really powerful. Um, we're all about trying to get to practical next steps with people. So some people might mistake group coaching for some big therapy session where we all moan. Actually, it's about, right, what are we going to do about this now? What, what, what wisdom is there in the room for you as an individual to then take and do something about. This is something that I always find difficult to get my head around. Um, Now, as you say, a huge amount of knowledge and wisdom in the room, Mm. a whole load of of very impressive ladies, all telling me they have problems with imposter syndrome. It just doesn't fit right. I, I suppose the classic places that I've seen imposter syndrome, and like you, I've got a background in the big four, and classic place to see it is newly appointed partner mm. and magnified 
more than double newly appointed lady partner. Yeah. And in some of the times that I've been working there, you know, you, you had to be particularly good to get to partner as a lady. Why on earth have you got this feeling you don't belong? Yeah. You, you, and I, I've never, never quite got my head around it. Mm. I, I suppose I've suffered from it a little bit myself. That uh, no, I don't know everything here. Somebody's going to find me out one day. <laughs> yeah, and it's certainly not just a female label. Um, yeah, I've coached a lot of men and new male partners, and they also feel like I'm going to get found out. There must have been a mistake made about me, and I think that's very true of high performing environments because actually what we tend to do in a high performing environment be you a woman or a man is we compare our inner with everyone else's outer and everyone else's outer looks very polished they know what they're doing they're going about their business they look very together but it's not a fair comparison to compare your inner with everyone else's outer because you don't know what's going on for those people um, you know, these are big roles that we're stepping into as, say, a new partner or becoming a CFO. And it's natural to have a lot of self-doubt. I think it would, it shows real self-awareness um, in some respects. I suppose that is a good way of looking at it. It shows, it does show self-awareness. And I, I suppose turn it around and say, well, look, you have got all of the skills and talents you need to do the job. Yes, you're feeling unsure. Well, okay, so you're aware of your own personal development needs. Hmm. Don't yeah, yeah. let those needs pull you down. Recognize that you're never the finished article and get on and uh, sort that area out if you're not happy about it. Yeah, and one of the, I was saying about normalizing, one of the most powerful things I can do as a coach, especially if I go into an organization where I'm coaching a lot of people, if it's true to say, I might. For example, I, I coach in a large law firm where this is rife. I'll say, look, if you take nothing else from this conversation, except go out of this door and know that eight out of 10 people feel very similar to you. And I know that because I've coached dozens and dozens and dozens of people here. And just knowing that your feelings are totally normal and that everyone's got them is often just the weight you need to have lifted and that's the beauty of coaching in a group actually as you hear that firsthand from people it's very powerful to have that weight lifted absolutely and you you mentioned that the the group had been looking at personal branding mm. what, what are the key elements that are that are coming out around branding what why is that so important yeah there's some very depressing research that was done by a man in the 90s uh, called harvey coleman and we always start our work on brand with this research. Um, he's looked at what gets people ahead in an organization. And he said there's three things. He went off and interviewed hundreds and hundreds of, of leaders, mainly in the States, actually. And he tried to determine why did you get to where you are now? Like, what got you there? And the, the findings are depressing because he said there's three things. The first is performance. So you have to be very good at your job. That is a given. So that is 10% of what's going to get you ahead. 10%? 10%. Being good at your job is only 10% of what gets you ahead. It's a given. It's, a, it's a kind of a must-have. You have to be yeah. good at your job. But okay. actually, in terms of, there's lots of people who are good at their job. 
Um, that's 10%. He said impact is 30%, how you walk in the room, how you speak, what you wear, what you look like, all that, all that sort of stuff. He said that's 30%, but the biggest factor by far is what he called exposure. And this is the depressing bit. So 60% of what gets you ahead is your exposure. And that's all about who knows you, who knows what you're good at, who of influence knows who you are. Um, how much are you going out talking to people and telling them about the good stuff that you're doing? And lots of women in particular, I think this is quite particular to women, put their head down, you know, do their hardware and think if I do a really great job, someone will notice and I'll get propelled to the next level. It just doesn't work like that at a certain level in an organization. It's a lot around your brand, how you're perceived, who knows you. And it's, it, it shouldn't be that way, Kevin. It should be should a meritocracy. Be but it rarely, I, I, rarely I must does. admit that throughout my career, I've kind of taken that view as well. That's been mostly the female view of keep your head down, do a good job, get on with it. And back when, when I was consulting, I was the guy that never, ever came into our own office to talk to people and so on, because I'd always be out on client site delivering mm -hmm. something for the client and probably generating a reasonable amount of sales through having the great client relationship, but never particularly worrying about developing the, the huge relationship with the, the key partners and directors and our own internal sales team. Yeah, which is critical. Um, and it's a bit of a game to play sometimes. And it's a game not everyone wants to play. And, and actually, men and women don't like to talk about the good work that they do because it especially women it can seem like we're boasting we're we're bragging we're going off blowing our own trumpet and that has been conditioned in us as, as a very bad thing to do and there are ways to do it that are more authentic of course and that's that's the sort of work we do in one-to-one -one coaching um that's, so that's kind of predicting my next question that says <laughs> okay there's there's a problem you don't want to brag about it and so on so so what do you do yeah, I would start with an audit of your network. Who is noticing you? And, I, and something we do with our clients, let's look internally and externally over the last six months, let's say since the beginning of lockdown, who has noticed the good work that you've done? And we have to be sure that they've noticed. Don't make an assumption, let's be sure. And let's do an audit of who's, who's noticing you and the good work that you're doing. And then we look at who's missing from that list. Who should know the work that you're doing? What do you think they do think about you? Um, what do we want them to think about you? And what opportunities might you have to be able to shine in front of that person? Um, we also talk about what gets in the way of you really consciously and um, consistently talking about yourself and your brand in a way that feels right to you. And that'll be different for everyone. But it ha what gets in the way, and it's, it's usually not practical things. It's, it's not, I don't know how to do it. It's psychological. I don't want to be perceived like that. I'm worried about what people will think. It's, it's all those things that get in the way. And that's part of self-belief. And, you know, we come full circle in this conversation about imposter syndrome. That's about believing that the work you do is powerful and valuable. And actually, it's not about speaking about yourself. It's about speaking about your work. It's really important to try and separate those two.
becomes less about bragging and more about the value of your work. That, that feels like a really big area to, to really get involved with and, and take the lid off. And I, I think what we've been doing in the Women Finance Leaders Group is, is really good towards that. And please, please, if this is speaking to you, come along, join the network and come and join the Ladies Finance Group because it is really a worthwhile forum to be in. Yeah, they're um, a fantastic bunch of women. They're fantastic. Helen, right at the start, you mentioned one of the things that you look at in particular is um, what goes on around maternity leave. And that's that's going to be the big difference between men and women leaders that most women seem to disappear off, take a chunk of career break and come back and have a load of catching up to do and so on. And that's noticing at the moment daughter runs her own business and she's on maternity leave daughter-in-law is just about to start maternity leave from a fairly senior job in the nhs um so it's something that's certainly in my life at the moment i'm seeing in spades what do you do about it (laughs) well there's lots of organizations out there who are very forward thinking on this and they recognize that actually having children is probably the biggest transition of your life. And that transition is going to have an impact on your career. So the organizations we work with uh, invest in one-to-one coaching for women and all sorts of other line manager training. How do you manage someone who's gone off on a career break? What's the do's and the don'ts that really support a successful returner? And there's some very simple things that line managers can do. But when we're coaching Women, um, we're coaching them usually before they go, when they're off, and and when they come back. And there's lots that women can do. And actually, we've created a document called Taking the Lead on Lead because, unfortunately, the impetus is on the the women to do this and to take a lead on their career rather than expecting the organisation to do it because some line managers, some organisations don't. But there's lots women can do before they go to start to sow the seeds of their return. And we talk a lot about that in our coaching. Um, That might be having a really good conversation with someone influential in your organization before you go to say, look, I'm I'm planning this. I'd like to come back to this. This is what I'm going to do when I'm away to keep myself informed. This is what I'd like to hear from the business. And actually what, Without that, what happens, Kevin, is women go away and they start to make assumptions about what the organization wants for them. And the organization is making assumptions about that woman. And these things are left completely unsaid. And then all sorts of decisions and and, um, consequences happen because of that. And, And our job as coaches is to help the individual take more control over what happens to them and what their options are. And that feels to me to be really important, having coached hundreds of women going through that leave. It sounds there's a part of that that's, that's missing, Helen. It's, it's, it's coaching the organisation about what to do about their people on mat leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we do a lot of guidance for organisations and a lot of what we're doing one next week, a, a, a session for line managers. How do you help the people that are going on leave, how do you help them exit well and return well? And some very simple things it actually cost nothing to do this. Very simple conversations they can have at key stages 
because we've done a lot of research around what women want and spoke to 200 women, professional women on mat leave. What is it your organization could do that would help you exit well and return well? And it's all about communication at the end of the day. Um, I always remember I, there was one woman I was coaching. She came in on her mat leave and sat down with her line manager. And she said, I don't, she said to me after, I don't know why I bothered taking my coat off because they didn't ask me anything about how I was. It was very practical. It was very, you'll start on this date and do this thing. And actually, God, I just wanted to get hold of that line manager. And if he'd only said three or four sentences and made it more of a human conversation, he would have got so much more out of her. So you're right, there's a lot of coaching to be done with the organization. And also, critically, shared parental leave getting organizations to really push and support shared parental leave because that is a game changer. Okay. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. And I remember when, when our kids were born, that had barely been invented. I think I was off work for about a week around about that time. And I think from memory that was all taken out of annual leave. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the, the world really has moved on on that one. Yeah, daughter was actually very, very lucky. Husband's a school teacher and he was locked down at home for an entire summer term, followed by a summer holiday. So uh, he effectively got best part of five months paternity leave. <laughs> That's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, Helen, have we covered all of the key issues? And if if you were interviewing you, what should I have what should what should I have asked? Um, oh, that's a great question, Kevin. I, I guess one of the new things we're doing in Grow CFO is, is a group coaching session for these women finance leaders. This is small groups. This is six to eight women. And I guess I'd love to talk more about that and what potential it has for these individuals. And we've talked a little bit about that, but I'd like to expand on that. Yeah, that's that's in addition to the normal monthly group going on. This is this is moving from free into into paid coaching. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, tell me a little bit more about it, Helen. What, what could anybody expect that would sign up for that? Yeah. So this is small groups, so as I said, six to eight women who come together regularly. They come for a minimum of four sessions um, every four, four to six weeks. And they're facilitated by myself uh, or my colleague, Claire Allen, um, who also comes from a finance background. And they come together and they each bring a topic that is on their mind, be it anything we've talked about in this conversation or be it um, navigating uncharted territory and you know, in these un uncertain times, be it stepping to your authority in the boardroom, um, be it career direction or anything that is a dilemma, a quandary, something that they think the room, the wisdom in the room will be able to help them with. And we bring these women together and we contract very carefully with them so that they are comfortable enough to let go of what they think they should say. And they just say whatever is on their mind with a group of peers. And we're very skilled at creating that environment that, that encourages that. And then we take two or three topics that the women have brought and we work through them together. And we'll use a variety of techniques with the group to try and draw out wisdom 
uh, often quite creative ways, but sometimes just going around the room and hearing what people have to say. But it's an opportunity for you to hear the wisdom from others, um, get a sense of resourcefulness and get practical ideas um, about your particular um, journey as a CFO and what challenges you're facing. And it's an opportunity to get a deeper understanding of yourself. Um, and so what, what we would love to do is have more than one of these groups going and really target the makeup of the group so that they are women who all are of a certain level and a certain stage in their career so that the wisdom can be even more powerful. Yeah, because we, we have actually got a fairly mixed audience in the in the ladies group that generally meets in Grow CFO. There, there, there are some some ladies who are still at the head of finance kind of stage aspiring to become a CFO. There are others that are first time and one or two that are actually quite experienced. That so there's there's a whole mix in there. But I can I can really see the advantage of having a group that are that are at the same level and are probably all feeling something like the same sort of problems at the same time. And yeah. yeah. So if, if anybody that's listening to this podcast, Helen is interested in that, how would they go about finding out more? Okay. Well, they can uh, go to the Grow CFO website and look at the women finance leaders um, topic that's there in the portal. They can email me directly, Helen Cowan at the and I will tell them more about it and send them some information on the offer. They can simply sign up to Grow CFO. Um, it's not just our topic on women finance leaders that's, that's useful in this. There's a whole range of things on Grow CFO that um, people will find useful. Um, but really, I would say the first step is to email me and I will happily share and answer questions about what this forum is and how it works. I'll drop your email address in the show notes, if that's all right, Helen. Thank you, Kevin. That would be great. Because you can always find the tallwall.com and have a good look. It's a very, very nice uh, website and tell you all about what the tall wall do. Um, And also I'll pop a link to Helen's LinkedIn profile in the show notes too. So you can find out loads, loads more about it. Uh, Helen, that has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. I've enjoyed it.